Want a drink? Not the time, Anthony. Not the time. You are listening to Pada Bang, a podcast that breaks down every episode of The Sopranos one at a time. He is risen. Episode eight of season three. That's what we're talking about today. It's great to be with you guys. As always, we're together on a Saturday. Um, This episode was written by Robin Green and Mitchell Burgess, titans of the keyboard, of the pen, however they write. (laughs) They just keep banging them out one after the other. And this one is chock full of lines, especially with Junior. Uh, Directed by Alan Coulter. Uh, I realize I didn't ask certain questions about this episode that I wished I had. Uh, Hopefully we can dissect it together and get some closure. Originally aired on April 15th, 2001. Did you guys catch the factoid that it was Easter Sunday? That's great. Yeah, it was perfect timing. HBO synopsis, holidays, Easter Sunday, but the show takes place around Thanksgiving. So as Thanksgiving approaches, Tony's feud with Ralph escalates despite the intervention of Johnny Sack at a frat house mixer, Meadow and Jackie Jr. find they have more in common than mob boss dads. Very subtle, crisp Mm. synopsis writing. Title, He is Risen, Two Catholics in the Room, Testament to uh, the Resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. JC. Um, (laughs) That's the good news that we learn from uh, Janice's new love interest, who we'll talk about later. Uh, Silvio also refers to Ralphie as a rising star. Obvious observation there is that the juxtaposition of these two figures is striking and just worth pointing out. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are they saying? And I always think back to The Departed when I hear the word risen or rising. Uh, The line, I believe Leonardo DiCaprio's character says it, families are always rising and falling in America. And Martin Sheen's character says, what's that from? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you remember what that's where that's from? Is that Fitzgerald? Is that I think it was Fitzgerald. Okay. Um the title is very loaded. I thought it was a great title. That's why I'm spending more time than normal on it. Full of angles and possibility. So the uh, the connection too with Catholicism uh with the episode of Tracy's death that seemed more of a, a good Friday. And, <laughs> totally. and this this is the aftermath and things settling uh from the ashes of that disaster. Let's jump right in with some ecstasy. The frat party, Uh, the black lights, the techno music. I thought it was an unorthodox way to start the Sopranos, at least thus far. We've never really seen anything sort of like loud and banging and young. It was just a little. It was a little out of place. A little out of place. Yeah. Right? Caitlin takes ecstasy. So nice to see she's doing better. She's doing better. She's found her footing. Caitlin says, I choose you to some random guy who comes up to her. Uh, one of the words that came to mind when I was watching this episode was awkward. There's a lot of awkwardness in this episode. And for me, that was kind of awkward. Is that a reference, that line, I choose you? I'm looking at this from the vantage point of Robin Green and Mitchell Burgess, who wrote this for young people. And they were not in that zone, but they used the line, I choose you. Is I there mean, something there? if you want to, it could be like the way... God chose Jesus to, like, it could be that, or she's on ecstasy, which is considered the love pill, so, like, anyone will do. I'm attracted to everyone, so you'll do right now. I'll buy the second. Yeah. I'll buy the latter. I like that. <laughs> Jackie says he's at Columbia to see Meadow. He gives her her first hit of X for free. We know that he's dealing, okay, which will become an important point 
of note for his story arc. So I'm saying it now. I told John off mic before you got here that I finished season three mm. for this 77th time, but I finished it for purposes of uh, Pada Bing. And all I'm going to say is, is that him dealing is a point of note for his arc. Okay, for his outcome. So just first time viewers, second time viewers, or people that just watch it casually and don't really pay attention like we do, pay attention to the fact that he's dealing X. Um, the music playing in the background is called Touch Me, and it's by Task Force. The name is very on point with respect to X. Yeah. Right? I do know what X smells like, by the Ooh, way. Okay, cool. Um, Industrial. <laughs> <laughs> Cut to the casino room. From Colombia to a casino room, facha de merde, which is what Polly says. Is that just shit face? Yeah, it's like a face of shit. Like, okay. I took the literal translation. I wasn't sure if there was a more eloquent Italian. I thought it, no, but what's cool, he didn't say the whole word, yeah. which is cool. It's like he was like facha de me, which yeah. is like kind of a shorthand, which yeah. is so cool. Just believable. Inside. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't come to say hello. He's, of course, referring to Ralphie. Tony downplays it. Uh, this is a signature characteristic of Tony. A diverting anger into non-sequitur humor and banter. With uh, the comment about Polly's suit? Yeah. Yeah, he deflected that He whole, deflects a lot. Something a leader does really well. Polly was playing by the rules and was upset for Skip. But if, if Tony downplays it, then, then there is no issue. I like the way you sound today. I know. Yeah. A little like little rest, a little low end. Oh. Radio Ooh, voice, you're man. listening to Pot of Bing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the issue that people have and that the, the scene is conveying is that Ralphie doesn't go to say what's up to Tony right away. You just mentioned it nicely. Ralphie wasn't the only one who didn't run over to Tony. Gigi held back and the camera made a point to convey that. A lot of people held back. Any thoughts or reaction to that? It wasn't just Ralphie. Well, I thought Gigi was there trying to have Ralphie go over there first. Maybe it's the, the hierarchy is all my, my minions come mm-hmm. say hi to you and then I'm the last one. Okay, I like that. And he was waiting to be the last one and then he had to apologize for Ralphie. Oh my God, to the lighting I, as Ralphie the, approaches. The green color that like pull in on Ralphie. Yes. In, in the way that Tony's sort of like almost like a magnet and Ralphie's like the opposite. You know that when you turn the magnets, invert them on each yeah. other and they like repel. This is so good. Um, and the Tarantino resembling soundtrack as he moves closer is so choice. The Ghost Riders in the Sky by the Ramrods is the song. You could have done that whole scene as a Western. Yeah. Yeah, that's was. exactly what it was. It was yeah. like a standoff. It was a Western, beautifully stated. The only thing missing was the tumbleweed rolling, a, cor- a corral. And then both of them kind of like opening their jackets a little bit to like reach for their yeah. piece. The tension was just out of control. Hello, Anthony. Ugh. This fucking guy, right? I, I can't. Perhaps another time. Woo. Anthony. Woo. Where does he get the balls? <laughs> so good. The first name is actually what he's saying is not Anthony. What he's saying is, to quote uh, Michael Rappaport, you fuck you. <laughs> yeah, okay? totally. That's what he's saying to Tony. Yeah. It's another time. You fuck you. <laughs> and he does it twice. Now, the thing I want to say is I want to pick up on a, on a word, a signal that you just gave a few minutes ago, which was leader. Perhaps another time, Anthony, Tony buries the past. Tony starts this encounter off on a good footing. He showed leadership. 
by offering the drink. Mm -hmm. And now what happens subsequent to that is a shit show. But in the beginning, at the very beginning of this episode, Tony was almost willing to say, c'est la vie. Well, do you think that's because he knows he's wrong and he doesn't want to apologize? You're picking up what Johnny Sack says. He knows what he said and he knows what he did. He'll never admit it, though. Do powerful people ever say sorry, truly ever say sorry? They move forward. And is Ralphie that stubborn that he can't just let this blow? Like, that was his his peace offering. legitimate beef. Yeah, that's true. No, but Tony showed leadership in this moment, but Ralphie showed amateur hour. Yeah. He should have taken the bait and said, let's do a drink, let's do a shot, and then bounce. I agree. Play the politics, man. This is where Ralphie seals his fate. I would agree. This is it. Would you guys have done this, though? Like, you are you don't want to look weak, though, in front of your friends. He was also like, Ralphie was like, I'm gonna, I need an apology. If John was Silvio and I was Polly or Ralphie, that's different. Because mm-hmm. they all tell each other to go fuck themselves all the yeah. time. We saw Ralphie do that with Silvio in university. And they just, they basically are just, it's a series of you fuck yous back and forth. Yeah. This guy's the boss, though. And everybody has said that in this episode, one person or another, he's the boss of this family. Vito says it at the diner. Johnny Sack says it twice. Like, are you fucking crazy with that kind of talk? The boss is is sacrosanct. Yeah. The boss is... God. God. Yeah. He's going to say, the boss is Christ-like. Okay. Would you say, Ralph, if you were comparing earners to professional basketball player skill, <laughs> that LeBron is sort of the Ralph with the Lakers right now, where he's a Ooh. great earner, but he's not working well with the rest of the team? First of all, I love what you did. But Vic's what you, face just was so what cute you right said there. Did you see that? It's fucking blasphemy. Okay? <laughs> Ralphie is not LeBron James at a best. Bit. If, at best. If we were comparing it specifically to the best earners. At best, he's a role player. On a championship team, but he puts his foot in his mouth too much. So I would liken him to someone like a... Dennis Rodman? The green. Yeah, the like green. What about Rodman, that green guy a, on the, Den- who used to be on the Celtics? Something green. I tried. That was my attempt. You can lay up with a left hand. You don't need to try. You got game. Dude, Unlike the talkers green. and the observers, she can actually ball out. Um, Ralphie, who would Ralphie be as a basketball player? I'll think about that and I'll come back to you, but definitely uncategorically <laughs> not LeBron James. Uh, um, Paulie says, after Ralphie turns around and walks away, when Tony tried to bury the hatchet, Paulie says, Let's whack this cocksucker and be done with it. I love him. I love that line. I love all things Paulie. But what about the rules, guys, that you keep throwing in my face? Why is that even on the table? That we whack this guy. And again, it's not just Paulie. Silvio says it later too, right? You have two options. Either you make nice or get rid of him. You put him you get rid of him. What about the rules? What do you guys think about that? What is your reaction to that? I think he's the boss, so he can change I mean, I think he can do whatever he wants. He's the judge, jury, and executioner? Yeah. In this small circle or this triad between Tony, Silvio, and Polly, they've not played by the rules all the time, and they've gotten to where they are. No, they're because hypocrites, of that. right? They are. We use the word hypocrites, and we're all hypocrites, according to Meadow. If uh, what was that line? You're only religious when it suits you. Mm-hmm. Uh, in later in the season, you're only a, a mob guy when it suits you. It, it seems in this you're situation, you're only duty and honor bound when it suits your purposes. Yeah. and also Ralphie's competition for Silvio and Polly. They can't earn like he can, so they're com- they're like, let's get rid of him. So we're still like the A team. You know, he's coming up fast. He's a uh, threat to them. I like that. That's part of why mm-hmm. Paulie's been on the outs with him since day one. Yeah, he's annoyed. He's, he's like, man, he's young and he's earning more than me. I'm replaceable. 
Here's the thing that hasn't been said, though, or written about or talked about, or maybe it has on Reddit somewhere, but like on the major outlets that we kind of look to for wisdom on this, they're saying wax this guy now. But if I was Tony, I would also, again, this is me playing into the notion that I think he's paranoid. I would think that Ralphie would want to whack Tony and he should act first. He should act preemptively or proactively because now that he knows he's on the outs with one of his guys, like, why isn't Tony looking over his shoulder? Do you guys... Well, Silvio makes that reference about the Jack Ruby Hmm. walking out of the house. There you go. Jack Ruby, of course, is the guy that shot Lee Harvey Oswald. And he means is that there could be a surprise attack on you. Yeah. Okay, great. So it is there. It is floating. Hmm. And if I was Tony, that would be all I really need. I don't need to play the politics on this. Like, look... I could get Jack Ruby, like you just said, number one. And number two, he's already had a shit list of transgressions. This was a massive episode about leadership and business because throughout the whole time, it's certain things are being disrespected, rules are not being followed, and Tony has a limited amount of time to make the decisions and fix this without having larger problems. It's so interesting when they choose to to make it personal because even in this, like the New York family, Johnny is like very practical. He's like, well, she wasn't related, like makes it very black and white. But then future, he gets something, something happens to Johnny really personal and he chooses he wants to bend the rules for certain things. So it's really interesting who decides when is too far and not far enough. When you're safe. Yeah. When you, when you don't Mm -hmm. have, when you don't have a bone to pick Mm -hmm. or a dog in the race. Who else mediates these types of situations but other people in the family. Yeah. Cut to Meadow and Jackie getting fresh. In general, you guys, and if you want to go there, please feel free. I don't have a whole lot to say about Jackie and Meadow, but I was just kind of overall underwhelmed by all of it. Really? I think it's really interesting that she went for Noah, which is this, like, very different kind of dude. And then she's falling back. Obviously, Jackie's pursuing her a bit more than she probably gives a shit. But it he represents, like, her father. It's really interesting that she's now—she's like, I don't even talk to my dad anymore— Jackie's basically the version of her her father. So I think it's really interesting that this storyline does play out because it's basically her not evolving to go date someone more intellectual, someone more out of her thing. And that's why Carmela has an issue with it, you know, and they fight like, well, he's one of our own. She's like, but that's not what she wants for Meadow. In this universe, the Sopranos family is this black hole and everyone's sort of circling different levels from there. But I think Meadow's on her way out. And it just shows you how easy it is to fall back into this. Much the same as how Janice got away for a long time and is now in the thick of it again. The contrast between Tony the leader and Jackie the boy in these successive sequences is interesting. That was what was interesting to me. Do you think that Jackie's doing this because he's like physically attracted to her or he's doing it because he wants to climb up in the ranks like Christopher? I think it's that. Not necessarily I want to be a big mobster. I think he just dropped out of school Meadow looks good. He can brag to his friends. I think it's a move. It's a move. It's a power play? Not all the way there, yes. Not all the way, but I think it's starting to, like, I don't know if it's a good idea, blah, blah, blah. And then Ralphie, because Ralphie was the one that planted this in his head, if we remember. Why did Ralphie plant it in his head? Was it a power play for Ralphie? It's Richie all over again, enabling. And Ralphie's sleeping with his mom, so he's trying to be nice to him, not realizing he's sealing his fate. Cut to Silvio and Tony. Ralphie's star is rising, like we mentioned with the title. Great line. Is that why Polly dislikes him a little extra? 
and he's trying to align closer to T. That's what we so. talked about. That's mm-hmm. exactly what's happening. Did you catch the reference where he says that Polly may may suggest killing Ralphie soon, but he already has? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, good earners are loose cannons. That is true in all walks of life. Someone that's a valuable asset to your organization or to your entity. Again, going back to our pilot. Every time I watch an episode of The Sopranos, it's almost like a business case study. This is like an MBA course. And the line, good earners are loose cannons, could be an entire lecture. Um, So Silvio says, make him disappear or make nice. You only got two choices. Thoughts on Silvio's counsel? He always knows the temperature of Tony and and eloquently gives him a few options and has a little bit more room than, say, Johnny Sack does when he tries to give some advice, but... Yeah, Silvio was on point. On point. By the way, Silvio, in this instance, John, was LeBron James. Oh. He was facilitating, okay? He was moving the ball. He was distributing it. He was planting (laughs) seeds. He was getting the team ready for a fourth quarter push, okay? Cut to Ralphie at the diner with Vito and Eugene Pontecorvo. Great scene. I love the classic wide diner booth shot. Any movie, any show, any media, I'm interested in what the people are saying. In fact, that would be an amazing podcast recorded from a booth in a diner, just (laughs) random people talking. That would be cool. Uh, Week in, week out conversations, forks and plates clanging, all that stuff. Random ambient noise. I don't know about you guys, but I would listen. This was Tarantino again. Yeah, there you totally. go. Thank Very you for Tarantino. going there. Can we do the last pot of bing at uh, Holston's? That would be amazing. Uh, the line, the rules. Mm. Rules are rules. Otherwise, fucking anarchy. That's ironic coming from Ralphie, right? Mm-hmm. Also, I could see if it was his daughter or some niece of his, Ralphie says, I reacted like, wow, the fact that he even entertains the notion is kind of alarming to me. Family and kids, as we later learn, but if you look up anything about the mafia, are off limits. So in my mind, so should hypothetical discussions about them. Yeah. That was a little, agree or disagree? Yeah, he's, he's a psychopath. Yeah. yeah okay. I, we, we know that, but like, they're really taking him there. Like He's really dramatic. Well, you know? It's like when uh, he goes over and talks to Johnny Sack and it just seems so casual. And then the minute that he brings up again, he's like, and uh, she wasn't, it wasn't my kid. And you're like, oh, that's right. You're reminded again that this guy just. But it actually was. Yeah. Yeah, but just nonchalantly, you killed yeah. two people. Fuck him and his turkey. I had to shove a drumstick up his ass. Which, of course, is a reference that we learned from the show that they're supposedly going to have a Thanksgiving turkey tete-a-tete, if you will. Cut to the bing. The turkeys. Nice little clever weaving of the storylines. I also like that exterior shot of the bing. It reminded me of Tracy before we went inside. Oh, yeah. Which was, like, super short. And I was like, why do we even need to see that? And I was like, oh, because that's just... It's nice how you mentioned Tracy, too, because yeah. we will see her mm-hmm. again in this episode. But that was like, why do we have this exterior of the bang quickly alone? And I was like, oh, because that's... That's where Tracy... That's where she was. She yeah. still is. We're still arguing about her, so we gotta... Yeah. Do they really steal those turkeys from the food emporium? Is that how that works? They. So that's a great question. I feel like there's certain things that are sacred, and they can easily afford to go buy a bunch of turkeys. I know. My last studio was by a motorcycle. I was neighbors with a motorcycle club. They have like a kid's drive, and they bought a bunch of toys, and they got a bunch of bikes that they would give to the kids in the projects. And they didn't steal the bikes. They 
purchased them or they got donations from the community or whatever. And that reminded me of this. Like there are some things that you should just pay for. And I feel like turkeys is one of them. So it wasn't made clear that they were jacked, but I feel like Christopher and his crew, that's what they specialize in is jacking trucks. He loves trucks. Yeah. And then they give them to the charity though. Yeah. That's what's so funny. Like they donate them stolen turkeys. (laughs) So I feel like they should have paid for it. But, I mean, look, this this thing of theirs. This hey, thing man. Of ours. I mean, I host Thanksgiving every year, and I have to put in my reservation for my Willy Bird organic grass-fed whatever turkey two months in advance. And they're expensive. They're expensive. So, yeah. like, maybe they all just, they needed the turkeys. Uh, safe to say, though, th- these turkeys did not come from Gelson's. <laughs> I don't get mine um, from Gelson's either. Hesh brings up the beef with Ralphie to Tony. The only thing I have here is that Hesh always is the poster boy for the great Shakespeare line, brevity is the soul of wit. Hmm. He says... That sounds like a problem. Meadow asking about Jackie. Jackie asking about Meadow. Young love, moving on. All of that to set up, Tony tells Carmela to cancel Roe. That's the more interesting storyline. He doesn't want to break bread with Ralphie, and Ralphie doesn't want to break bread. The money I put in his pocket for construction alone, he should hit his knees, this prick. Wow. You think I'm afraid of that fat fuck? Cut to... Hello, Gloria fucking Trillo. What an introductory frame. <laughs> she was wearing fishnets, which is ridiculous to me. Come on. Gloria Trillo is played by the actor Annabella Ciora. I hope I'm saying that correctly. I think so. Whose middle name in real life is Gloria. Ooh. Prior yeah. to The Sopranos, I knew her from What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams, Rest in Peace, and Copland. Shout out Sylvester Stallone. Her role as Gloria on The Sopranos earned her an Emmy nomination. Four, five episodes, and she got an Emmy nomination. Wow. Critic Kenneth Turan described her as, quote, possessed of considerable presence, assurance, and vulnerability. I don't think you can sum up Gloria Trillo much better than that. Oh, that's spot on. Yeah. There's a movie called The Addiction mm-hmm. that's by Abel Ferrara, Ferrara mm-hmm. and it's a vampire movie with her, Edie Falco, and Christopher Maltesanti in it. Nice. Michael Imperioli. Michael Imperioli. Yeah, sorry. It's called The Addiction. It's just so weird. The, the three of them are in it. Oh, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it? Yeah, it's amazing. Gloria's line, she's talking to a doc on the phone, a client, trying to sell Mercedes, trying to sell those whips, mm-hmm. okay? No, I'm sorry. I can't. Uh, we're doing a sales meeting at lunch. Okay. See ya. Her face, her body, and her tone was significantly different compared to the beginning of the phone call. Is this a pattern for her? Was she invited to a lunchtime tryst by Dr. Akavi? Is that what that was? Yeah, this is her using her beauty and mm-hmm. wit to close deals. Flirt, close deals and then frustrated that she has to deal with that too. But she put it there. She did it deliberately. Then she's going to take offense to it when she wants to. And then we learn 10 seconds later that she's on death row for murdering seven relationships. This plays into that. We learn a lot about her in that waiting room, and it's only about 60 seconds of screen time. Yeah. It's amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. Tony's whole demeanor in this is just wild to me. Amazing. It's like he's looking at a raw steak. Wild in a good way or bad way? Just, like, outrageous how he, like, 
you know. I thought he was a little reserved, no? Oh my God. I was like, put your pants, pull your pants up, dude. Jesus Christ. He looks uncomfortable sitting next to her for so many reasons. Well, he gets even more uncomfortable when she does the hair flip. Yeah. And he gets a waft. After that, he's down for the count. Thoughts on the blue medallion necklace that she was wearing. I added this as this was a late entry for me. Did you see that? She was wearing a a blue medallion. It's the only thing of color in the frame. Any thought or reaction or commentary on that? We learned that she's like a light Buddhist. I also think it's interesting because most of the women in the show wear a cross. So I just think it's cool that she's not. Yeah, she's wearing a talisman, not Mm -hmm. a cross. See, this is why I asked the question because I knew I was going to get something. Mm. Tony gives his appointment to Gloria, but a question on the double booking that really bothers me. That doesn't really happen. I have an audio recording studio. I don't fucking double book. A doctor's office is not going to double book. And there is some conversation online about this, including autopsy, that Melfi is living vicariously through Gloria Mm. with respect to fantasies that she has about Tony. Do you guys see that? Any additional thoughts on that dynamic? You think she subconsciously did this on purpose? So I I think uh, because she's been dealing with um, the PTSD of uh, the rape and just the the talk with Elliot in the same episode, just really upset about her patience that um, she maybe in some twisted way thought putting these two together in the same room might help her, that they might interact. In a good way or a bad way? Just in any way. Later on with Elliot, she's complaining about her patients. Is this a way for her to try to have them self-destruct on each other and, like, get out of her life? Because she she clearly knows how volatile Gloria is. We don't yet. But do you think that that's what she's trying to do? I don't. Have them self-implode no, on each other? she'd be jealous if Gloria and him got together. Right? I think she's just scatterbrained and double booked because of the holiday. I think it was like these two people would be perfect for each other. They're both horrible people and in uh, weakness. So you subscribe to it a little bit. Yeah. That it was an intentional Damn. double booking? Only because you, I mean, you've reiterated too. It's yeah. just not something that Happens. you do. Yeah. Um, and the way that she was like. I did? I, yeah, that was when I was sold on it. She also is very fascinated by the banter that they have. Like when Tony brings her up and she's like, you know, I can't talk about my patients, but she becomes different. And in a later episode, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of spoiling in a later episode, Tony actually calls her out on it. Why do you change whenever we talk about Gloria? It's almost like to autopsy's point that or the there's an essayist who wrote a commentary about what Dr. Melfi's doing. And he quoted the essayist. The point that she's getting off like some sexual vicariousness through Gloria is really actually interesting. Mm -hmm. I had never thought of it that way because Melfi to me is like straight up. She's a professional, Mm. but I, I do. And I I might've said it on the podcast. I do believe that she's attracted and that she does think what a relationship with Tony would be like. But then wouldn't she be jealous of Gloria? But it, it, again, it makes it, if you know, you can't cross a boundary but you can facilitate the crossing of a boundary. She's Cersei Lannistering things. She's like, she's manipulating later Tony's Melfi session. Mm. It starts, you guys, with him saying, It's 3 a.m. Bam. Isn't that subtle but crazy? I never caught that until Pada Bing. Kind of, it was just a throwaway dialogue between Melfi setting up this conversation about him mentioning to her that he's been reading The Art of War. Which, to me, signals, bring on the fucking malaprops. (laughs) I love the way Melfi sinks into her chair with pride as she listens to him riff on strategy. She almost, in a way, again, she's 
facilitating, but what is she facilitating? Does she know that she's facilitating more criminal activity? And is she getting off on that? Maybe not necessarily in a sexual way, but it's sort of in like a empowering way. I am the head coach of this basketball team and I'm telling these players to go out on the court and do these things and they're doing it. She's Phil Jackson in his ass. Okay. I took it the other way. That that she was uh, disgusted that some of her advice may have caused more problem and harm. But I, her face didn't communicate that, didn't convey that. The sinking in, I'd be like, oh no, like I'm becoming less at, of myself. Look back at it again. She kind of like, you know, that. What, what's it called when you do what, what I'm doing right now? When you kind of like When you wiggle your ass into the seat, it's yeah. almost like you're excited. It's what I do every time I sit down to watch The Sopranos. I do the little wiggle <laughs> and I get my popcorn. She does That's that. So she, she gets into her seat to almost like watch a movie. And Dr. Melfi is no Phil Jackson. Let's make that clear. Melfi? No, she's a Luke Walton. She's a... Sur- Oh! <laughs> Tony offers to walk Melfi to her car since it's late. Yeah. Very nice tie-in for the viewers, because as the viewers were f- salivating for this, it's a remnant of employee of the month. She looks at him and later tells Elliot that I wanted to crawl into his arms and cry. Thoughts on why she didn't take him up on that? I have no fucking idea. It's maybe one of the most confusing things to me right? in the show. Was she really going to finish up her work or was she going to slowly five minutes later wait for him to drive out and then go to the car? Yeah. What is she she trying to, is it a power play that she's trying to convince herself like that she can overcome this? She's not going to be beaten by this? If I was to think of anything, it would be that she doesn't need, I can do it myself. She's a very self-sufficient. And later she complains about how she has to soldier on in a sense of doing her due diligence as a therapist with her patients. Or John, going back, is it the commentary of her not wanting to be alone with him in a darkly lit place? Maybe she might Throw yeah, herself. there's that. I'd, Throw herself at I think uh, the key thing is boundaries here. Mm. And that if, if she starts opening that after uh, interaction and communication, that oh, let me just keep walking you to the car. Or, let me bring you some coffee. Let me... Say the word boundaries. I'm going to make three seconds of silence. And then I want you to say the word boundaries in a very John radio voice today. And then I want three seconds of silence afterwards. Okay? So. Boundaries. Cut to Janice's narcoleptic boyfriend, the Soprano family Thanksgiving. The character's name is Aaron Arkaway, and he's played by the actor and best-selling author Turk Pipkin. He's actually an accomplished, prolific creative, which you would have never known from the show, which is, again, part of the beauty of the show. Carm says, I'll, I'll put more coffee on. That is Carmela humor that only people that have watched the show 19 times will get, but it is meant to be funny. Mm -hmm. She's like, she's making funnies. Barry Sanders is a sweetheart, Janet says, to which I thought, tell that to all the NFL defenses that were trying to stop him. Uh, Meadow, Tracy, Meadow sequence. Thoughts? I love this. It's the continued comparison that leads us into why Tony's had such an issue with Ralph killing her because it could have been Meadow and a different world or a different path. Yeah, there was some transference that Tony actually did with Tracy and Meadow that, you know, Ralphie even mentioned, well, if it was his daughter, but Tony thought of her as his daughter in some way. So it's like, and that kind of verifies it because her carrying the bread was like, okay, so he does actually see Tracy as some some version of his daughter. C- confirmed. He even takes a moment to have an aside with her and mention mm-hmm. how he only wants the best for her. And He's had a few asides with her. He doesn't have a lot of asides with AJ. 
Yeah, AJ's missing from the... I wrote, where's AJ? He's not at the table when they're having turkey sandwiches. Cut to the row Thanksgiving. The only thing to point out here is the contrast. The Soprano family Thanksgiving... Regal. And the Rosalie April Thanksgiving. The painting at Rose Thanksgiving... Anybody observe it besides me? It's the painting of a clown. Sad clown. Sad clown. Is it a reference? Is there symbolism for you? Is there anything or thoughts or anything you guys want to say about that painting? Well, I took it when you said to look for it. You know, Tony's mentioned a sad clown. Ralphie is definitely the sad clown right now. has to pretend. He's not doing a good job at pretending to go on with stuff. He's fucked shit up. He ruined going to the dinner. It was a weird painting. I don't think Roe would have that. It was a house. sad clown? Yeah. It was a sad clown. With your comparison, Jackie was the boss. So mm. maybe this is the same behavior. He probably felt like a sad clown. Mm. Had some connection to the painting and now it's still That's sitting cool. in the house. It's, love. It's That's him cool. looking over the family. <gasps> I love that. Heart emoji. Cut back to the soprano Thanksgiving. In the table. The food. The people. The conversation. Again, the contrast regularness of life, but you're going from one regular life to another regular life. And sometimes there are degrees of regularness that are better than others, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're getting to see that full tilt. Jackie goes to ask Meadow out in front of Tony. To me, a lot of balls. A lot of balls. Smooth operator. Janice. A soprano and an April. It was a subtle mention of Richie April. Again, the ghost of Richie rears his head. Jackie's car, son of a former boss, is driving a beater. Does that add up to you? Meadow and Jackie get fresh in said car. A lot of willpower on her part. You know, she has she shows a lot of restraint, but her fur coat, looking back now, is very reminiscent of Game of Thrones. She looked like a Stark in that. Chevy Cavalier. Oh, I thought she looked like Gloria Trillo a little. Oh, I and like Gloria's that. wearing that at the uh, the dealership. Yeah, well, that went right over my head. Yeah, I went straight for Sansa Stark. Has Carmela already gotten one too? Yeah, Carmela's gotten yeah. one. It's autumn. It's cold. Winter is coming. Oh God. <laughs> Ralphie goes to see Johnny Sack. What a great world-building scene. So fucking... So this is like... This scene is one of the reasons why it'll always be a rewatchable show over and over again. So simple, but so expansive, what happens in this scene, right? First off, he's extremely protective and positive about his wife. Almost preemptively so. To, like, make the company that he's with realize her value to him overtly and avoid any humor gestures, or other forms of perceived condescension. Whenever she's in the room, he always butters her up to the people around him as if to say, off fucking limits. Am I right? He's the best uh, significant other in this series, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. Like, his love and adoration for Ginny. Does he have a gumad? That was going to be my question, yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so either. Him and Bobby Bacala are the two. Ralphie wants to switch families. Good luck, bro. Didn't know you could do that. You likened him to an NBA player. Ralphie wants a trade. Johnny Sack says that Carmine doesn't know who you are. That was awesome. So good. It was such a Johnny Sack boss move, right? Observation, Naya, you mentioned the chair. Johnny Sack's chair isn't proportionate with the stature of being an underboss or the dwelling for that matter. A folding beach chair that is you would usually see in like a college student freshman sophomore's dorm room to me it didn't fit 
I don't know. I mean, it's a little. The scene later where he's at the dining room table. Did you see that chair to table? It's fucking ridiculous. Well, that's just gaudy. Totally, but definitely expensive though. It could have been Ethan Allen. But think, (laughs) think way later when Tony's outside with someone else and they're in the same kind of shitty chairs. It's like an Italian outside on the stoop. It's very common to be in a shitty fucking beach chair. Moreover, it's the Jersey thing. Yeah. Would you take capo of your crew? Johnny asks. No fucking way. Yeah. Cut to Johnny dining. One of my favorite scenes again. This is just a great fucking episode. Johnny Sack dining with Tony. Mm -hmm. He says essentially the opposite of what Ralphie told him. He advocates for Ralphie. Uh, He wants to apologize. Tony drops Sun Tzu lines, which is really nice. Rubbing the top of his wine glass saying, You know, they were about to break ground on the Esplanade. Talking about millions of dollars here, Tony. Wouldn't hurt either of us to have a point man in there feels appreciated. I'm just saying. Wouldn't hurt to throw him a bone. Like what? Capo? No fucking way. Never. You know what he did. That poor girl just had a 20th birthday. Capo's what he mentioned. I threw cold water on it right away. Just a beautiful little exchange. But then we cut back to Johnny calling Ralphie. Basically, that scene establishes that Tony doesn't want anything to fucking do with Ralphie. Johnny Sat calls Ralphie and says he's delighted and he wants to talk to you. Again, Is he making it worse? It's an MBA in uh, mediation. That's why these two are boss. The goal right now is to get them to sit down with each other. Correct. And he's facilitating that. He knows that they're all going to say opposite things, Mm. but they have to tell each other what they want to hear. Interesting. And that was a beautiful thing you said. It is an MBA case study in mediation. Johnny Sack says he's very open to working something out. Again, opposite of the tenor of his conversation with Tony. I like how I use the word tenor when we're talking about the Sopranos. (laughs) Mm, So good. Okay. Melfi and Elliot is another great scene. It's a great Melfi moment. I think it's probably in her top five Melfi moments, not with Tony Soprano. It's hard hearing patients whine about trivial shit. True statement, just in, in general. She wants to tell her patients that I hurt. I love that. I love her gestures. She wants to talk about how her father laughed at her when she fell off her bicycle when she was seven. Does she call your emergency number? No, that's not the point, Elliot. These fucking interruptions. Why did she almost laugh? I added this late. It's okay if you guys don't have a reaction to it. Why did she almost laugh when she told Elliot she fell in, almost fell into Tony's arms crying? She says it, then she like does this hand gesture and she says, oh, fucking forget it. And then she kind of like laughs to the side and then it goes to the next scene. I mean, to me, she's complaining like her patients do to her therapist. She picked up on it. And I think she's just like, you know, she's got a soldier on, which was my favorite thing she said because it reminded me of what Tony says to her all the time. But she's doing exactly what her patients do. So I think she realized, you know, fuck it. I got to This isn't I'm just unloading here and I got to just whatever. Move on. Ralphie goes to apologize. One word, the whole, another great scene, just like boom, 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 one after the other. Robin Green, Mitchell Burgess, just like on a basketball court, passing the ball back and forth to each other, give and go, give Give and go, go. give and go, slam fucking dunk, right? Ralphie goes to apologize one word the whole time that was going through my mind, awkward, right? Still, 
How many times have we watched it collectively? So good. It's so awkward though. It's so awkward because he's eating and you hear the fork and you hear the chewing and you hear the mouth movements. Tony doesn't give a fuck, wow. but it's so tense. First off, Tony's mannerisms were first class, some of his choiciest cuts, if you will, greatest hits of just like the combination of the hand and the mouth and the chewing and the his ear twitches a little bit. It's like, how did they, like, how did they get that out of him? You know? I know, he would pause with the fork. Yeah. And the, again, the chewing. I Ugh. can't, it, was the apology sincere? Naya? I think it was. John? Totally. There's a slight bit of humanity that we get to see in Ralph Separetto. I disagree with you both. Really? He <laughs> should have gone down on one fucking knee. And he should have said something way different. Tony might not have uttered a word like he did in this instance, but Tony would have come away from it feeling. If he cried, that would have been effective. To me, he was, it was a dick swinging contest and you're never going to win a dick swinging contest when one of you is the boss and the other one is not. Okay, so I, I disagree. I think he was an idiot. And he, and he stood up the whole time. You have to be invited to sit down. You have to be invited to sit down. Yeah, but think about Johnny Not told him a, he's delighted to hear from you and, like, you can apologize. And he gets there and he's expecting Tony to be a little bit more, like, He was unprepared. Hey. Yeah, and then all of a sudden. But we're all, we're all adults. You walk into a room. Can't you read the room in the first couple minutes? He didn't even say, like, is it okay if I have a seat? Like this power dynamic of like him standing hovering over Tony was inappropriate in my opinion. Equal footing, or you get an audience, or you wait till he's done. Like say, like, would you like? Can I? I'll wait till you're finished or whatever. It just didn't go well for me. I get what they're doing, but you, I was, I'm glad you guys both agreed because I strongly disagree. So crazy. So you don't think he was sincere at all? I don't think he was. No sincere. remorse really? about. No remorse. No remorse because he said it to Johnny Sack. A, she was a whore, a whore. B, she hit me. Yeah. So Ralphie goes back to see Johnny Sack. He's clearly disappointed. Uh, That's Naya, an understatement. Naya, you mentioned the furniture oh my in God. that room. First question kind of goes to what we've been talking about is, why is Johnny Sack hanging out at home in New Jersey? Doesn't he have underboss, New York underboss, outside activities to attend to? He's at home a lot. Yeah. He's the second most important person in a New York family. He's running his family correctly. Yeah. You never hear about a lot of New York problems. Okay. Um, there are two paintings on the wall. They're French Impressionist-looking paintings. I obviously couldn't ID them. Yeah. I tried. One is a girl on a grassy knoll, and the other one in the background looks like an Italian waterfront of some kind. Any thoughts or reactions to those paintings? Any meaning behind them to you other than they're there? What a way to go. Unfortunate. So I had a, a parallel with this because um, they're talking about before that um, Silvio mentions the bags under Gigi's eyes and Tony doesn't really feel bad for him. Uh, Gigi complains. And I thought it was interesting that Gigi didn't have the heart for the job. Mm -hmm. And then he dies mm -hmm. from a heart attack. Totally. And Ralph is the one that really wanted this all of his life and had the heart to be a capo. And now he's getting it at the same time. And also Tony said, not over my dead body, but maybe over Gigi's dead body, he'd be captain. So not his body, but 
okay, Gigi's. And he, that's so, I didn't get the heart thing. That's so good. He doesn't have the heart for it. Yeah. Oof. This is why Pot of Bing exists now. Junior. Mm. Props to Junior on this episode. He was fed some of the best lines and he delivered them with like excruciating clarity and perfection. Tony, the whole conceit of this scene is that Tony's fishing about the name Trillo. Uh, do you know any Trillos in your life? Mm-mm. Um, we learned that the patriarch of the Trillo family, the Trillo clan in North Jersey, bred seven daughters, of which Gloria Trillo conceivably could have been one. Junior has a great moment here in general. I think it's one of his all-time moments of the show. Perfect framing of the, both of their stations in life, but how you can always get wisdom from an elder generation, right? Uh, he's counseling. Boss. What's that? The true boss. True boss. Tony asks him, got any thoughts? I love the response. What else do I have left? He uses a really fancy word here, real contremps you got here. I love that line. Um, Obscure references to 14th century Italian usurpers. Again, Game of Thrones, shout out to the usurper. Just a great exchange. All good questions. Great. It's the fucking answer. Who says there is one? That's what being a boss is. You steer the ship the best way you know. Sometimes it's smooth, sometimes you hit the rocks. In the meantime, you find your pleasures where you can. In the midst of ups and downs of life, right? That's something we can all apply to our own lives. Find your pleasures where you can. He summed up the entire episode with that one quote, and it was so evident at the end, and I may be jumping, but that last scene is Tony doing just that. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting those words of wisdom. That's oh, why you remember. That's what I'm saying. It's so powerful. And you yeah. remember the green blanket. Oh, God. So cut from the wisdom of find your pleasures where you can to Gigi dead, which was a classic, in my opinion, if I'm reading into this and I'm reaching a little bit, that was the writers basically telling you, listen to Junior because life is short. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Does Silvio watch The Simpsons or read the news? Which one was it? Because when he mentions The Simpsons producer died in a similar fashion to Gigi, Tony kind of looks at him like, what the fuck? Kind of like you guys do whenever I give an NBA reference. (laughs) Um, Does Silvio Dante watch the fucking Simpsons? Yeah, why not? So we learn that now there's an opening. There's a new job that just became available. And they ask Tony what he's going to do. You can tell that Paulie's very interested because it's going to affect Paulie's monetary sort of station more than anybody's, right? I love the way the camera shows the Tony surveying the crew, mostly a bunch of incapable knuckleheads, right? But then you see Ralphie and it locks on Ralphie. We get locked on Ralphie a lot. We know what's coming. We know Ralphie's going to get it. I think of uh, Johnny or Richie said, look at this lineup because it's yeah. basically just a lineup. Bunch of knuckleheads. Yeah. The music note at the funeral, it's the same music that was playing at Livia's funeral. So we go from the funeral to the sit-down at Vesuvio with Tony and Ralphie. Ralphie gets made captain, but no drink again, which is nice symmetry. Tony, nice. Tony shared a drink with Artie, though, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, and Tony drank the drink right in front of Ralphie, which is a you-fuck-you. Mm. You. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going back to the point that you mentioned where this could have been fine if he had taken the drink, and it was his subtle way of reminding him. This, I didn't forget. I didn't forget, and this is what got us here, and now you're just going to have to live with that. And I'm not going to give you the satisfaction of letting you know whether you're the capo because of this or just because of the other. 
Leadership. Yeah. Good posturing. I didn't understand what he meant by be careful what you wish for. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. Uh, And you hear that from Gigi, essentially. It's a tough job to be capo. Now that he's captain, Tony's going to find ways to cripple him, to make his life difficult as a way to stick it to him. Okay, so Ralphie's captain. Cut to Tony going to the Globe to see Gloria. And as Billy Joel once said, (laughs) and so it goes. You know that song? Yeah, of course. I love that song. Observation. Tony leaves the dealership going the wrong way. The arrow is big and yellow, and it's pointing in the opposite direction. Subtle foreshadowing of things to come. Note the ducks in the water outside the Stugats. I saw that, too. Okay. The final song, it's called The Captain. It's by Casey Chambers. Sorry, Casey. Uh, It's a (laughs) song about a captain and an individual going along for the ride. So it's... Kind of fitting, but also not my favorite, Naya. Well, it's back to Junior's reference about steering the ship. There was a powerful autopsy revelation that one episode after Dr. Krakauer's warning to Carmela, Tony commences a new affair. And one episode after Christopher decides to be all in on this thing of ours and be loyal to Tony, he gets shot. Mm. It's a nod to the writing that... It's a constant roller coaster of like unrelenting. Yeah. That was a really cool revelation of his. And I wanted to make sure I said that. Any spinoff series in this episode? I have the Gloria Trillo prequel, mm. the origin story. Yeah. And it's called Globe Motors. I have uh, Barry Sanders was a sweetheart. It's a reality show that follows NFL players as they eat around various diners. And you get to be a fly on the wall and see who was nice, who tipped the waitress well, who didn't. Dude, that should be a podcast. That would be good. I like that. It's going to end your ambient noise at the diner. Um, I had, I, it's a working title. I don't know what to call it, but I'd love to see Ralph and Johnny in like a college setting years because their relationship is really unique or just maybe coming up in the mob. They, they have this banter. Is but, young Ralphie in Newark? I think so. Okay. Because he's been given, he's given his life to this. <laughs> I've given my life to this thing. And this is the thanks I get? Thank you, John. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Naya. Thank you, guys. See you next week. 